Hi, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, the founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what experiences, personal experiences or traumas you've had, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are in your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you are ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. Good morning, everybody. It's a beautiful day in South Florida, and my friends from Texas are not on the line today because I think they're snowed in and without power. But that happens, and I, you know, we've got a great replay on my YouTube channel, so go there if you can't hear this live. But today is fun. I have a guest speaker that we woke up early, and she's coming to us from Pueblo, Colorado. I have actually not been there, although I lived in Colorado. And I'm so grateful that she's here because I've learned so much from doing my research about Dr. Melissa Balizon. Melissa, are you there? Welcome. I am. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, and it's an early morning for you, and any snow out your way? Uh, yes, we actually got about an inch and a half last night. Well, I'm glad it didn't affect your power. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> or her magical powers, which we're going to talk about today. The other thing that I wanted to bring out briefly is I saw in the news today that today is the kickoff of Girl Scout Cookie Week. So if you're like me and you used to be a Girl Scout and you remember the days when you could get a really big box of Girl Scout cookies for a little bit of money, now they're smaller boxes and they're a lot of money, but the cookies are still good. So if you have a Girl Scout that you want to get out there and you want to sponsor today, go out and get them. My stepson arrived with some the other day, but he didn't bring those chocolate mints. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I really like the chocolate mints, especially in the fridge. So enough of that because I ate a bunch of those when I was young and had to lose a lot of weight to get rid of all that fun stuff. But Girl Scout cookies are a good, uh, Melissa might not agree with the sugar content in them, but support the girls today. So Melissa, welcome, welcome. I'm bringing, like I said, I'm bringing you here from Colorado and you are known as the Colorado wife. Can you explain what the Colorado wife is or who it yeah, is? So <laughs> So the Colorado Wife is just, it's, it's to allow you to get to know me a little bit. Um, I live in Colorado. I love Colorado. Uh, I am a wife of almost 20 years now, 19 and a half years. And so my love for commitment and my love for Colorado, and Colorado reminds me so much of looking at the holistic and healthy picture Colorado is one of the healthier states in the nation. And so that, that kind of fits with my, um, my message of being whole, holistically healthy, meaning your whole body healthy. Okay, perfect. Well, I just thought, I, I lived in Colorado, but I lived up near Denver. And uh, I loved it when I was there many, many years ago. Um, but it's too cold for me now. So, <laughs> so but I do welcome you. And I want to I wanna give your experience. I have your bio here. I want to read a little bit about what you, what you do and who you are. So Dr. Melissa Balizon has over 20 years experience in the healthcare field combining Eastern and Western medicine. Dr. Melissa is a consultant and concierge pharmacist who focuses on women's issues and health and stress management, working to improve anxiety, depression, pain, and chronic health conditions. As an advocate for her clients, she empowers them to take charge of their health, educating them to know they have a choice. She uses her pharmaceutical training and knowledge of medications, supplements, nutrition, physical and mental health, physical and mental health to guide her clients on their health journey, helping them make informed decisions about their health and life goals. What a perfect combination, especially today. 
<laughs> in in this pandemic and we're going to talk a little bit about you know what you do how you do it but I want to talk about where you came from and how you got to this point now you said yesterday when we were talking briefly that you grew up in Oklahoma no you're from Kansas your family mm -hmm. was from Oklahoma and your husband was from New Arkansas? Mexico New Mexico New Mexico you met in New Arkansas Mexico. yes we met in Arkansas Okay, so you've been around the Southwest and the West, Midwest a lot. East meets the West here, and, yeah. and, I'm, and that's good. That's good that we're um, having a little bit of diversity training here. But Melissa, when you were younger, um, what was your family situation? Where were you in, in the children range? Do you have brothers and sisters? I do have brothers and sisters. I am the eldest of three. <laughs> when you were the when you were young, did you have responsibilities as the oldest, or were you um, pushed a little bit harder than your siblings, at least in your mind? It, yeah, I think in my mind I was, um, but that was a good thing. I mean, my my parents are great. They they gave me stability and they gave me insight and and you know gave me the motivation that I needed. You know, I pushed myself a lot. And they stood behind me and also um, allowed me to, even at a younger age, <laughs> that's great, I think about this, to know that when stress was too much because school, I pushed myself. I mean, I was a straight-A student in, in high school, and when I would push myself, I would get over-anxious and over-worked um, up over a test and things if I didn't get that A. And that's a stress component that I just realized that way back then. My mom so, was even able to help me through that. So back then, how did you get through that? Because for me, it was back. athletics. I'd go out and you know whack a field hockey ball or something like that. <laughs> um, back then, I um, I wasn't athletic. I was I was um, was in the band. So okay. I, I I used to play. So I would go and play my my flute, or I would go and I would read a book. I love to read, and so reading a book non-education was a good way to de-stress for me. There you go. And that, that would quiet you down. Um, did you like math, and what, what kind of things did you like in school? I loved math. I loved science. I was in all the accelerated and advanced programs. That's what led me into, um, into pharmacy. Uh, briefly, I was in a math class and I thought, oh, what can I do? I'm going to be an engineer. And I went to an engineering camp one summer and I came out of it and I said, I don't want to be an engineer. Let me look for something else. <laughs> so I started looking into more medical field and my mom had, a, um, had been diagnosed. She'd had some medical issues. And, and so I started looking into a medical um, field where I could go in and be able to help people and make a difference. And you wanted to go to medical school. You did want to go to medical school, but what was it that kept you from going into regular medicine? Well, what kept me to go into regular medicine? So I loved, I loved our pharmacist, our neighborhood pharmacist. When I would go into his pharmacy, I would talk to him, mm -hmm. you know, from a young age. And I, I developed a rapport with him. And so it got me to thinking as time went on, I was like, pharmacy sounds good because at that time I was like I don't want to be a medical physician because I don't like the blood I don't want to get into the side of blood <laughs> Which, down the road I ended up running a couple of clinics where I did some um, some finger sticks so I actually eventually got into blood later but at the time I was like no let me go into pharmacy I think there the world is more open I have more opportunity and that's that's what led me from high school to going to um, to college I picked you know, the, the school I wanted to go because of their pharmacy program. Well, that's perfect. Yeah, I remember thinking back as a kid, too. I grew up in a small town in Vermont, and my dad was the local dentist, and one of his friends was the local doctor, and then one of their, one of their mutual friends was the local pharmacist. And we always run into the pharmacy. It was even called the Woodstock Pharmacy. And it was Dr. Pete. Dr. Pete was back there, and uh, he knew all of us, and, and it was fun. They were great guys. Today, I don't go to the pharmacy. I go through the drive-thru. I do the littlest amount of time I can, the shortest amount of time that I can uh, with the pharmacist because many times you don't get that personal uh, contact with the pharmacist. It's you, you go in and you're talking to the clerks. They give you the bag. Do you understand this? And you're out the door. 
right? Yeah, the, that, that's exactly right. The world has changed, and you, the, the corporate world has taken over the local pharmacies. They're, they're not there. You don't get that, that one-on-one connection anymore. Yeah, which is too bad. So let's talk a little bit about that, because you spent time in that corporate world uh, at hospitals, did very well. How long, how long were you working with the hospitals? Um, I was with um, hospital for over 18 years. Wow. That's a long time. It is a very long time. Um, what did you like? That, what did you like about that? Well, I, I liked that I, I wasn't limited. So there, there were several programs that I was able to be a part of and bring to and, and help our community with. And the other thing... I wasn't just dispensing medications. I wasn't behind the counter doing that. I was conversing with the physicians. I was conversing with the nurses and the patients and, and the family members even. Making those changes and making those optimizations in their health, even from a young pharmacist age, I was out there and involved and making those, helping the physicians make the right decisions for the patient based upon you know, lab results and based upon cultures and things like that. And so I love the opportunity. I love the variety. No day was the, uh, the same. You know, so every day brought something different. Do you see a collaboration between pharmacists and physicians? I mean, is there a good working relationship or not? Or I do see a, a collaboration, yes. There is great working relationships. Okay. Uh, it sometimes depends upon the personality. I... Um, when I was in pharmacy school, I did several rotations with physicians, both in hospital and in physicians' offices. And those were the physicians that knew the value of a pharmacist-physician relationship. And those are the ones that I was able to pick out and you know, develop more of a rapport with. And then I was able to change a few of the other physicians along the way um, and get some of the uh, some of the more challenging physicians to be able to work with pharmacists and, and understand the value that that we can provide in a different a different realm versus mm-hmm. just giving you here here's your med here's your um, so yeah there's there's absolutely phenomenal working relationships. Well, that's good because we'll talk about this a little bit later on. But uh, you know I'm thinking about. Between last week's show and this week's show, which is last week's show is called Protecting the Rabbit Ears Generation, I, my parents are alive and, and I'm with them a lot. And I see a lot of the things. So many of us uh, in our early 60s are, are now in that sandwich generation where we're helping to take care of our parents. And I know my parents, my dad's decision, dad's retired dentist, when he gets his pills, he gets them from his doctor, but mm-hmm. then the decision to where he buys them comes down to not who the pharmacist is, but what's the lowest cost. Yep. And he'll go to the grocery store, he'll go to the to the pub or he'll go to Publix, he'll go to CVS, which is the pharmacy, he'll go to Costco. It's interesting that the Costco pharmacist is the one that he's become best friends with because that's the man that's that sits there and talks to him when he has time. Um, yeah. but there's very little relationship between my folks and where they're getting their meds. They're just getting them. And, and, and what, so what comes to mind when I hear that is it scares me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, your physician and his physician, and then hopefully he's only going to one physician, but that's usually not the case. That's not the case. Somebody's in, in their 80s or 90s or even their 40s, 50s, and 60s. You mm-hmm. go to a specialist and then you go to four or five different pharmacies to get your medication and you have lots of medications and lots of physicians and you don't have a commonality, you could have some things that aren't, aren't thinking together. You might have some things that are interacting. Well, <clears throat> no, when he went, excuse me, when he went to the hospital, they asked him, uh, as he was getting into the, into the ambulance, they said, do you have a list of your medicines? Well, they're relying on his list Mm-hmm. to put it into the hospital. What if you forget something that's on the list, that should be on the list? You know? Absolutely. I think the most um, unsettling for him recently, as we've been putting meds together, is that you buy from one 
place and then you buy from another place and they may have different manufacturers so the pills look different yes and a lot of our older folks you know my stepmother-in-law too <clears throat> she looks at the medicines and she knows what they are by what they look like so when my dad now has probably 40 bottles of pills instead of three <clears throat> well I got a tickle sorry um, then I said she went back to the pharmacist and said I only want this manufacturer because I know what that pill looks like my dad is looking at them saying well this is it says it on the label but they look different so I'm gonna keep them in three different pill bottles then we start mm -hmm. filling his pills up he's like well they're all white so how do I know the difference between that one and that one except maybe the number on it so this is a whole different discussion but it's it can be scary because if they're starting to take the wrong stuff or too much of it because they all look alike that's a problem that is a huge problem and that's that's a whole nother <laughs> that's a whole nother discussion changing manufacturers and and that's that's also cost driven um, by the pharmacy that's purchasing and um, you know from their wholesaler what 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 brand or manufacturer they can get in and and yes sometimes Sometimes it's a it's a scarcity issue where you know the company the the raw resources to make the pills they're they're running low and so they have to change. Sometimes it's it's a lot of times it's a cost thing. It's a cost savings for the wholesaler, and so then the pharmacy gets in a green pill now because the green pill is cheaper than the white pill was, and then you know you go out and you're and you're used to taking that white pill and all of a sudden it's a green pill. And you're like well. Is this the same thing? Is it not? Mm -hmm. And yes, you can go back and you can ask to try to get the same manufacturer. Most of the time, the pharmacy can't guarantee that. Hmm. But presumably, it's the same same pill. I mean, we have to trust them at some point that it's the same same dose. Yes, it just looks different. It's, exactly, it's the same active ingredient. It just it looks different because it's okay. got some different things to to make it stable, and it's a different it's a different company. It's so. Let, let's, let me give you an analogy. So it's, it's similar to like Coke and Pepsi. They're both cola products. You might like one a little bit better than the other. The taste is a little bit different. But that's, I mean, so let's just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a name out there just so um, a blood pressure medication, lisinopril. So the lisinopril that you get is white, and it's, it's like Coke, and you Coca-Cola. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you've been taking... That, and then all of a sudden, the manufacturer comes in and it's a little different. And so it's the, um, it's the Pepsi brand, and so now it's green. And then down the road, now it's the off-brand, so it's just the Diet Cola. They're mm -hmm. all still an active cola ingredient or that active blood pressure medication, but they're slightly different in their color and their consistency. They're still going to act the same as far as controlling your blood pressure. You might notice a slight difference just because of the variations in where the parameters are, and that's a, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, um, well, but, yeah, but, trust, but that, trust could, that you're getting what's in the bottle. That could be very stressful to somebody, though, that is relying on certain things, and, and especially as we get older, that the change, you know, is very stressful. And so it's kind of a segue into what I want to talk about next is I guess we'll go back to the, you know, the pharmacy and the re reviewing all the things that you do as a pharmacist now. But that stress management, this is big in your life, that this topic has been a big issue in your life, correct? Yes. So let's just jump right in because you were in, in the administration and you were with the hospitals and whatever for 18 years and then you left. I did. That's a hard thing, and you and I talked. It says, and I said, it takes courage to step down from something that's very successful. Why did you do that? Why did you step down and decide to do something on your own? That is an excellent question. Um, what I realized is that stress can kill, and I've known that a long time. What made me change? So I was very um, able to see the stress effects in others. Um, an example, my dad worked for 30 years for the post office. And there was a point in his life where I could see the stress was very high for him. And I'm like, Dad, you've got to quit. You've got to just retire. Because I was afraid he was going to have a heart attack. Hmm. 
I could see that in him. Now, when it came down to me, I've been there 18 years going through. I had pieces in place. I had stress management techniques and tools in place. What I didn't realize is that I had blinders on for myself. I could see it in other people. I couldn't quite see it in myself until I was, I say I was kind of hit in the head by a two-by-four. And that had to happen for me to realize that my health had started declining. And it was that piece of my health and that two-by-four, I mean, it wasn't literally a two-by-four, but (laughs) it was that piece that, you know, I had been struggling with a couple of minor health things for a few years, been going, you know, I'm in the healthcare field. I'm doing everything going to the right physicians and, and treating as we feel appropriate at the time. What happened is that there came a point where um, I finally found the right physician and, and got a diagnosis and realized that um, they diagnosed me with the word idiopathic. And the word idiopathic means we don't know where it came from. Mm. And that got me to thinking, I was like, oh, wait a minute, I know where this came from. This is the stress of my high-level, very successful job. And that really started me thinking and making the thought process and, and, and really looking and saying, okay, is this job that I have, you know, I'm successful, I have, you know, the toys and we have everything that I think that I want at the time, but is it worth my health and my family? And I look back and I'm like, I've been sacrificing my family time because I put in more hours at work. You know, work, even though in my mind I kept saying work doesn't come first, work always popped to the top. It always trumped something. And so I was like to the point when I finally got that that diagnosis and realized I needed to have um, surgery to actually, um, I my, my body had started closing itself off and I was having issues. I I couldn't breathe. My throat was literally shrinking. It was getting smaller and smaller. And it was feeling like you were choking and and no amount of water or whatever could make that feeling go away. And I would have good days and bad days. When I went to the physician and he said, you need to have surgery, and I'm like, okay. So I have the surgery. And it really got me to thinking. He said, you'll probably be back in six months. And that was kind of, that was one of the points. I was like, wow. I want to do this every six months. What caused this? And so I looked and I was like, this job is not worth my health. I decided at that point to kind of start looking for something else and realized that I needed something that wasn't as stressful, something that was um, still fulfilling to me, still able to stay in my my field of expertise. I mean, I've spent years of, you know, education and knowledge and money in this area. And I was like, I don't want to lose that. What I, what I realized, though, is that it wasn't worth my health myself. And that was a huge, a huge, um, a huge realization. And it took me a while, I mean, to figure that out. And the other thing that we, you and I talked about, though, I mean, a lot of us were a personality types and we you know we were taught well we were trained well uh, to work hard do your best you know go the extra mile uh, take whatever you had to you know to to make sure that the boss was pleased and that the customers are happy and all this stuff and we're kind of caught in the middle um, there were times though when you went into management where now you're in a position to hear things from the folks working for you and how did you deal, say, say someone had a complaint about the boss, where, where were you in that situation? How did you deal with the controversies between the staff and your bosses? That's a great, great um, question to ask. Yes, it was, um, it put me in a hard position because I needed to support the employee and know their needs and their feelings and at the same time support the decision the boss had made or the decision the you know the decision at the time that he had made and so people would come to me with complaints of him and i would hear their complaints and say okay well depending on what it was okay well let me talk to him let me see what i can figure out and often i was able to come up with a solution to make the employee you know feel at ease and be able to go back and be productive 
and talk to the boss and get through things, and then um, things would work out for a little while, and then the boss would change his mind. And that's, that was hard for me to be in the middle of that, you know, so trying to support both ends of the spectrum, it pulled me further and further and, and caused more stress for me is what I think happened. Mm-hmm. And you got, at being put in the middle is tough for you because now you're getting pressure from the top and that turns into some sort of hostile workplace at some point. And uh, I mean, I, <clears throat> you, I talked about this to you the other day about when I left the banking world and I've talked to many bankers that have left, um, it came down to it wasn't worth the money. The stress of the job wasn't worth the money. I loved working with the clients, the customers. It was fat. Well, especially in, in when I was with World Savings and it was a savings and loan. It was a great family bank. When you go to corporate and now at the bottom line is all about money, you cut out the customer service, uh, the extraordinary customer service. Now, they might disagree with this, but from the inside out, it's like you're so pressured to do sales, to do this, to do that, to get great reviews. Um, that you're burning yourself out. And I remember uh, I was never verbally harassed, but I got emails from a manager above me, all capital letters. And we all know that when you write all capital letters, you're basically screaming at people. It Mm -hmm. wasn't to me. It was the whole district. And I'm thinking, where does this person get off yelling at all of us for something that only one person did? I'm thinking, why am I putting up with this? You know, talk about stress. And I took a huge pay cut to leave that. And as soon as I did, oh, senior management was there going, why are you leaving? We need you. We need you. I'm like, it's not worth my health. Exactly. And thankfully, you realized that. And thankfully, I realized that. I mean, it took me several years. Yeah, it was a while. (laughs) (laughs) And but that's the thing is, is we we do we play by the rules we 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 stay in the lines you know we color in the lines and we we are supposed to follow the boss we're supposed to do this and, and yes I went through several pieces of bullying and some verbal harassment and multiple things that led to you know that that dysfunction and we were you know in a hospital setting pharmacy is not considered one of the high points pharmacy is considered um let's for an analogy like the um we've heard this before like the red-headed stepchild mm-hmm. and so you know it's not the cream of the crop you don't you don't get the things the what you get is those reviews you know the hospital needs those reviews so they spend money on making things prettier and they spend money on the um, the areas that the patients see. The patients don't usually see the pharmacy or the pills. They know they're getting pills. They're not getting them from a pharmacist. They're getting them from a nurse who's giving them, you know, their meds. Mm-hmm. And so that was another contention is that we're not being seen, and that put a higher stress, you know, that, that puts a higher stress on what you're what you're doing and and thankfully you know we had the ability in most cases to converse with some of the physicians but still we're not seen as that and being in the mix between you know even that being in the mix between a physician comes to me a physician needs the support and so now i'm the physician against the pharmacist and i'm in the middle of that that was a whole nother stressful situation to be put into Mm. Well, it took courage to leave that. What did you do right off the bat when you left? Did you go to work for somebody else or did you take some time off for yourself? I took time off for myself. Okay. I I realized that, you know, I, I went through the process and, and I was like, I've been doing this a long time. And what got me here was the stress. I need time for me. And so I did. I took a month off before I even started, you know, pursuing something else because like I needed to regain my passion and I needed to regain the self-care that I had neglected. How did you decompress? I went for walks. Okay. I read books. I um, did some different, um, actually I picked up pieces of yoga. I hadn't done yoga before so I started picking up some of that and learned to 
um, I learned to really, well, I'm still learning. I learned to meditate a little bit, and that, that helped. What did your family think when you left? What did your friends think? Or did you not care? That's another question. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. My close friends, um, they thought it was a good uh, move because they could see the stress. They could see the stress when I couldn't see the stress. My family was very supportive mm. and knew that um, they had seen the stress as well. My mom, my husband, you know, they could tell. The thing was is you couldn't tell me that I was stressed mm-hmm. because I have a hard head. And so <laughs> it was one of those until I realized it for myself and I got hit, you know, and, it, and realized, hey, wait a minute. This is a gift. This is an opportunity for you to do something different and not just be here forever. And so um, they really supported me. And then, you know, some of my acquaintances that they, they didn't quite understand, some of those that weren't as close, but those that were really close and my family is close, they understood. And they're like, yeah, it's a good thing for you. So sometimes change is a gift. Absolutely. Change it's all mental. It's, it's between it is, the ears at that point, right? It is between the ears, and so much of it is between the ears. Um, so much of even your health is between your ears. Yeah. So you really put a lot of, of uh, emphasis in the last couple of years on self-care and working with your clients, but um, I, I heard you give three steps to self-care. I, don't, I didn't prep you on this, but what are, what are the three things that, or a couple of things that you think are that we all need to do just to, to focus on ourselves for just a moment each day? So that's a great question. Um, three things. Get enough sleep. That is probably the, the top one. And we are prone to setting that alarm clock and getting up early and going to bed late. And that may not be the best thing for your body. You need to get the sleep for your body because sleep helps your body rejuvenate. It's like, it's like when you turn off and you reboot your computer, you need that sleep. So I would say sleep is number one. So what is a, what's a good amount of sleep or is it different for every body? So it varies for most people. Average... Most people need at least six to eight hours of sleep a night. The thing is, is you need to get good quality sleep as well. So you've got to get that REM cycle in. And if you're not getting that REM cycle in, that's when, you know, you're, you're crashing in the middle of the afternoon and you're, you're barely making it through the day. You know, you have to have that extra cup of coffee or something to rejuvenate yourself. So REM cycle is very important. And most of us need at least two to three hours of REM and if we're sleeping six to eight hours, we're usually going to get that if we're, if we're sleeping through the night. Now, if we're fitful sleeping, we may not be getting your REM. And that's, that's another thing, you know, we need to look at. We might need to do a sleep study and things like that, or there's different questions I could go through. But getting that, that usually six to eight hours, you're usually going to get. Some people need more. Some people need 10 hours of sleep a night. And so just be able to rearrange your priorities, and make sleep one of your, your priorities, one of the three things you need to do. And also, though, in your bedrooms, like, get rid of the, the blue lights, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and the so phone, the, et cetera. Put the, put the phone away. So I'm, I'm old school. Um, my phone is, in, is three rooms away from my bedroom. That's where the plug is that I plug it in. Mm-hmm. And it's been that way for years. So I don't have the blue light in my bedroom. But yes, put your phones away. Make sure that you, you know, set yourself a bedtime. Set yourself a bedtime. That helps set an intention for yourself and your body. And that way you're getting to bed at a, at a decent, you know, a certain time. And then you can also, you know, black out the room if you can. Get you some dark curtains so that you're, you're able to sleep that full six or eight hours. I mean, if you're not going to bed... Till midnight and the sun comes up at 4.30 in the summertime, you're not going to get your six hours of sleep. Yeah. 
That's important. That's important. And like I I did hear you say once too that if you're getting that sleep, you're not going to need the alarm clock. You'll be waking up. And my husband and I are we we're he's in bed 9:30. You know, lights are off by 10. At 5:30, we're up. And yep. I know the alarm says the alarm's going to come and drives me crazy because I'll hit it three times and I'm like, I'm up. <laughs> How about you? Get up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Your your body will become accustomed to waking up. Mm. Um, just like, I mean, like for me this morning, it was an early, earlier than normal. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but my body woke up before the alarm. Yeah. You know, I told my, I sent the intention, you know, I went to bed early. And I had set my intention for myself, you know, I need to get up at um, my time. I need to be up around 6.15 so that I can, you know, get up and wake up and not sound like I'm still asleep while I'm talking to you on the phone. Yeah, no. And, you know, I did. I woke up a little bit before 6. And so, you know, I laid there and did my stretches, but then I got up. And so the alarm actually didn't have to go off. So sleep uh, is, you know, so sleep and then the three things for sleep the other thing I would say, take time for yourself, even five minutes. Take five minutes for yourself a day. If that's to read a book, if that's to walk around the block, if that's to lock yourself in the bathroom to think for five minutes. Um, and then take time to do just a little bit of movement if you're not doing that. Uh, and I say movement because the, the E word is often um, frowned upon. <laughs> you mean exercise? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Our bodies need to move. You know, we need to do some stretches, whether that's just basic calisthenics, you know, doing your stretches, your arm rolls, your leg lifts, or walking down the street, down the block. If you're in Colorado like I am right now, I mean, it's still cold to walk outside. So I walk up and down my stairs, you know, and, and I'm lucky enough I do have, I have an exercise room downstairs. If you don't have that, walk around your house. I mean, therefore, I had last year, I used to walk 15 minutes after every meal. And I was, um, I was away, and so I wasn't in my normal environment. And so I walked in circles around the, the hotel room that I was at, and then I walked in circles around the house that I happened to be staying at. And I just walked, you know, from room to room. I just set my, my timer, and I just walked around. So it can be done. Mm-hmm. Well, and my guest uh, last week, two weeks ago, was Victoria Ehrenstorf. And Victoria does the Feldenkrais, Feldenkrais um, methods of movement. And we were just sitting at the desk. And yep. the arms were going up, and the heads were <laughs> I just moved my head. The head was going back and forth in different, you know, opposite directions. So you get the brain moving. So we're not talking strenuous movement, just movement. Get up. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So that was cool. Um, and the third, did you give us three? I wrote down uh, three other things. Uh, the third, uh, let's see. So it's sleep Please. and movement, take time for yourself. <clears throat> I love this one. You said once, drink water. What's the importance of drinking water? Because, you know, we have tea or sodas or juice or whatever during the day. But you specifically say water. What's up? Water, our body, and I'm not going to have the right percentage because I don't remember it, is mostly water, though. And so your body needs to rehydrate. Our cells need that water to survive. When we're drinking other components, it doesn't have all the right ingredients in there. So it's like baking a cake, and you're not putting, you forgot the eggs or you forgot the leveling. And so water helps your body rehydrate, and that water is good to help cleanse your insides, and it helps things flush through that it needs to, and it also is good for you. I mean, so drink your water. You should actually, if you're not drinking water, start drinking water. That's the first step. Um, Our bodies need a lot of water, and so you should actually be drinking half half of your body weight in ounces of water a day. Well, of course, that scares people because they're like, oh, my gosh, I'll be drinking all day long and then going to the bathroom the rest of the day. So just start with a cup, right? Just, Just start. Exactly. Just start with a cup. Just one cup in the morning, that's a good start, you know. And water also helps fill you up. Yeah. So if you haven't any, 
you know, when we talk about nutrition and things, it helps fill your your stomach up and get you to that point. So you're as you're as you are nourishing your body and you're eating, it helps you not to overeat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, just start drinking the water. One cup. I I often will say. Um, Find a favorite cup, and I, I did this with one of my clients, and they're like, "Well, I don't, I don't know how much do I drink." And I said, "Find you a cup that you like. Find you a favorite cup." And she was able to order herself off of, you know, one of those fancy sites like Amazon. <laughs> um, she got a, a cup that she liked, you know, a nice pink cup. It it tells her that it's 32 ounces, and so she knows that if she fills that up twice. She's drinking enough water throughout the day. And that's her goal is to fill that cup up twice and drink all of it twice. So, you know, so that gives her 64 ounces of water. She's around 120-ish pounds, so half the body weight. And that, that was a good thing for her. But she, she needed that little incentive. And that's what sometimes we need. We need that special cup for us. So we there you know go. that that's our water cup. And that helps us remember, oh, yeah, I need to drink that other cup. Well, it's really important. And, uh, I mean, I ended up in the hospital a couple of years ago passing out. Uh, I thought it was my sugar was low, and it turned out I was dehydrated. And my, my pulse went down about 44. <laughs> Happened to my father. And I think as we get older, too, we forget to, to be drinking. We forget to, re- to hydrate. And that keeps the body going, keeps the brain going, all those physical functions. Um, and so I've got friends that laugh when I say drink water because sometimes I, I don't. Sometimes I'm drinking diet soda. And I heard one of your one of your interviews with uh, Melissa Curran. She goes, don't drink soda. <laughs> Stay away from diet sodas. I'm like, but I don't drink coffee, so I need something. Um, right. But I do, I do need to concentrate a little more on it being just water and not the right. other. So well, we can have a great discussion about this going on. But um, the, the hour just flies by. I just can't stand it. But one thing that we wanted to talk about is, uh, you know, we're all homebound right now because of the pandemic and, and whatever, and the vaccine coming out and the stress over that, uh, the stress of getting it. And down here in South Florida, you know, half the state is over 65, and so we're not able to get it quickly. Um, my dad got it, but my mom can't get it. Um, what do we do to alleviate that stress, short of you know being able to get the vaccine? If we can't at the moment, what would you say to calm us down until it gets here? So I would say, you know, take the steps that are necessary to put your name on the list. Number one, and so that's that's step number one. Knowing that you have done what is in your control. And that should help relieve your stress. You've done what's in your control in order to put your name on the list. And then from there, also think of things that are in your control. So continue to take your precautions. Continue to hydrate yourself. Continue to, you know, take your, um, your things that if you're, if you're needing to boost your immune system, that you continue those things. Continue to practice the safe social distancing. Continue to practice um, wearing your mask. I was like, where were they going? Sorry. Um, while, you know, continue those protocols, the things that you can control, and put your mind at ease knowing that the process is in place and that the powers that be, they are doing the, everything that they can in an orderly manner to get you to, that, to the vaccine. So if you're qualified for that, you're going to get it. It may take more time, but just put your mind at ease. Know that you've done everything in your control. So if you haven't signed up, you haven't done everything in your control. But putting that and just sit back, take a breath, and know that it's going to, it's, it's, you're going to get it when it's, your, when it's appropriate for you and when it's your time. And I know that that's hard to kind of like the change thing putting it out there and knowing not the, the unknown. Yeah, but just be, be careful. And um, do, like you said, do what you can. We kind of limit to where, where my mom is going, so, and, and me too, because I'm there a lot, so I'm very careful about where I'm at. Uh, this is going to be a good segue to bring in Dr. Tim McGinnis. Tim is the founder of the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. And Tim and I were talking recently about 
the scams associated with the vaccine and with about COVID. So, Dr. Tim, are you there? I am here. Hi, Tim. Tim, Dr. Tim, Dr. Melissa. Um, Tim, can you give us a couple of things? You know, I hear, hear Melissa and I were just talking about de-stressing, but some of the scams that are out there can be stressful. So can you give us a well, couple? The, the, yeah, there's a couple of things that are important to be fully aware of and to check with your family and make sure that they're not being lured into scams of one nature or another. Uh, only the government can give you a vaccine at this time. Only through designated vaccine delivery sites, physical sites. So you can't go to your doctor to get one. You can't go online and, and uh, pay someone to have the vaccine sent to you or sent to your doctor. Um, check with your state health agency to make sure that anything that you receive that talks about access to vaccines is legitimate and honest and uh, that the right vaccine is, is, is uh, what is available. In addition to that, millions and millions of, of individuals are being victimized through false health claims associated with the COVID-19 disease. Specifically, um, I hate to say it, but there are a lot of, of, of quackery out there in terms of surefire cures, etc. There are a variety of uh, supplements that you can potentially take that will be beneficial, and I'm not going to tell you what they are, but uh, certainly by listening to what is being recommended by legitimate uh, pharmacological uh, medical uh, uh, websites that are out there, you can get a sense of what's going on. Uh, medications like remdesivir and, and others um, seem to have high promise, but regardless, uh, avoid buying into advertisements for solutions that are not actually coming from a legitimate medical authority. Um, additionally, there's a lot of devices that are being sold out there. And one of the most heartbreaking ones that are, that are making the rounds right now are for individuals that are in need of respirators of one nature or another or oxygen concentrators or even buying bottles of oxygen because they have had uh, their lungs damaged as a result of this disease. This is widespread worldwide. Um, and particularly as insurance runs out on some of the respirator oxygen concentrators that are out there, victims are turning to the aftermarket. And a huge number of those products being advertised are outright frauds. Uh, they're fake websites, fake social media accounts, etc. So you have to be extraordinarily careful about anything that you buy that is at all related with the coronavirus pandemic and make sure that you're buying from a legitimate source. Check whether or not the company you're buying from or talking to is an incorporated entity. If they're talking about medical recommendations, etc., you can go to your state's medical licensing board and find out whether or not they're even licensed. So it's important to do your due diligence on this. Melissa, do you, would you like to add something on that? I don't know if I could add much. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. You know, consider the source and do your due diligence. Absolutely. Um, and I was thinking that's, that's exactly why we need someone like Melissa to look at the stuff that has been suggested or recommended, you know, because everybody's got a recommendation. Everybody says, oh, well, this is good for you, that's good for you. But, you know, if we start taking all these different things, Melissa, that's where you come in hand, where you can actually review what people are taking, what their medicines are, and what the supplements are, because sometimes supplements might not work together, correct? That is correct. That, that is absolutely correct. Supplements may be interacting with your current medications. Supplements could be interacting with other supplements. They could be doing um, injustice for you. So, yes, having somebody review those, like me, who can actually sit down, take the time to listen to you, take the time to go through everything that you're putting you know, in your body, pill-wise, nutrition-wise, because I, like, say, whole health, looking at that and figuring out, okay, what is the best for you? Um, one of the, the 
the things with, with healthcare is that we have been accustomed to just, we want, to, we want the easy pill. We want to take the pill that's going to make it go away quickly. And so we listen to all these different recommendations, and they're, they're not all legit. Some mm-hmm. are good, but they're not all legit. And, and, and there's even supplements out there that they're not, they're not even what says in the bottle. So you've got to consider the source there and, and do your due diligence and make sure that you're getting good quality. Well, and I'm real sensitive to that because my company is a vitamin supplement company specifically for neuropathy, and we are tested and the quality is, is good, and, you know, I look at the raw material all the time, um, so it's really important. But I have gotten supplements in the past because I'll hear something about, you know, this one's good for 15 vegetables or 15 fruits, and then I, you know, I, I do that instant buy and then I get it and I'm looking at it and I'm doing the reviews and thinking, oh, that was really silly. Why did I do that? Why don't I just eat an apple? So, uh, uh-huh. Debbie, one, one of the things that is very important right now relative to supplements is um, there's, there's a lot of science about the use of ionophores and uh, metals as a therapy for uh, viruses. Um, we're all familiar with taking zinc, et cetera, and unfortunately mm-hmm. zinc doesn't, doesn't absorb into the cell particularly well unless you take an ionophore with it. But the problem um, that is many times serious is when you're taking something that will open up the cell to metals going in, you have to be really, really careful because uh, extraordinarily high doses of things like zinc or colloidal silver, or colloidal gold, whatever, can have adverse reactions in and of themselves. So mm-hmm. dosing is a massive issue with any of these, with any of these remedies, so to speak. Another reason why we would get a Dr. Melissa on our team. So Melissa, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, the easiest way to reach me is through my Linktree account. So it's link tr.ee forward slash Dr. Melissa B. Say that again. I haven't heard that before. Oh, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash D-R-M-E-L-I-S-S-A-B. And that has all my contacts. You can schedule an appointment with me. You can look at my website. You can uh, find tips on stress. You can find my YouTube channel. So it's a nice hub for me to have all things versus you having to go to 15 different links. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because right now I'm looking at drmelissabalizon.com and a beautiful picture of you and your dog. Um, oh, thank you. So that's, that's another thing that people can go there. because And, and your phone number would be there, so, or, or uh, you've actually got schedule. Um, you know, you can grab a stress-less guide. You can get her, her five tips to manage stress. It's a free copy if you go in and, and uh, you can get it from her website. Um, I think everybody should, especially those of us that are, like I called us in the sandwich generation, you know, we, we might be having our parents that are getting a little bit older. I know uh, mine are going to cringe when they hear this, but we've had that discussion about maybe on Sunday we need to sit down and fill your pill bottle up for the week and make sure that you are accountable to taking those things and then you know your friend says take this your other friend says take this so we have all of these things that maybe we need to have a review and make sure that they aren't counteracting each other or or interfering with some of your medicines so what a great service Melissa Uh, you know I'm I'm quite impressed and I'm really glad that we actually met through Women's Prosperity Network another one of our great organizations Um, so you are actually called a concierge pharmacist you are available online. We were talking earlier. You can talk to anybody around the world, um, but you're not prescribing. You're working with their doctors. So just a real quick thing. How do you work with your little team here, the, the client, the doctors, and yourself? How does that happen? How do you work with the client and their doctor? How does that combo come into play? Okay. So um, what I do is so I work with the client and realize that it's your health. You as the client, it's your decision. And if you decide you want to take some supplements, then let's talk about that and let's make sure they don't interact with your medications. And you never want to do that just unilaterally, which so many people do. You want to involve your, your healthcare team. And so I can give you language to speak with your physician. 
I can also make a call to your physician. And if we need to change some of your prescription medication because things aren't serving you or things are causing you side effects that we can, there's better solutions, that's when we work with your physician even more. And I can make that call and say, okay, here's the recommendation. This is a better solution for Debbie and what she's going through. This is a better solution for Tim and what he's going through um, or whatever, whoever else is on the call, whatever your name might be. So working with that, and then giving you that recommendation. So as a pharmacist, I, I never prescribe. Um, that's the physician's area. The other thing is physician can prescribe. You as the, the patient may not want to take that medication. So I give you options, and we do some education to figure out what is the best solution for you. And a supplement might be the better solution for you, or there might be a time where we need to bridge between Eastern and Western. And so you take a little bit of that Western medicine, that prescription medicine, while we're working on some things for your lifestyle. You're working on your movement. Maybe you're working on some mindset things that will help shift your health. And so having me in your corner, I can help you holistically, whole health, um, looking at every aspect and not just looking at the, the cut that's on your finger and we just put a Band-Aid on that right now. We get down and we look at the root cause of why, you know, you needed to go on that particular medication or what, what's going on. And so having me in your corner can, can help you with that. I really find that very attractive, especially as we get older. Um, I know I, I'm not on any medications, thank goodness. I'm knocking on wood. Uh, and I see my doctor once a year, and I always laugh and say, you know, if you had more patients like me, you'd be out of business, <laughs> which is good. But as the numbers go up year by year, you know, because we keep track of what's happening, the cholesterol might be going up a little bit. It's not from what I'm eating. It's genetic. And so when he said, well, maybe next year we're going to have to put you on something, my, my, my brain goes, I don't want to be on any medication. What can, I, what can I eat, you know, the oatmeal or whatever? What can I take uh, supplement-wise to keep that cholesterol down? Um, and that would be a good question to ask you when he comes to me and says, Deb, I think we need to put you on such and such. But be careful if you take the supplement because it's not regulated and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it's just have someone in our corner to, to talk to and, and get that holistic view. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for being brave enough to have left a successful job in, in corporate and, you know, a huge administration to take that leap of faith that for you and your health, you needed to do something different. Change was good. We work, yeah. Tim and I work with a lot of people that have been through some really traumatic things. And they may be trying to self-medicate. They may be trying to, to do whatever. We need to breathe. We need to drink some water. We need to get a little bit of movement exercise. And we need to get someone in our corner that we can talk to about what can help us be whole again mentally, physically, to be able to move forward. And I love what you do. Uh, I think it's, it's a really good combination these days of, you know, holistic and, like you said, Western and Eastern. Um, you're doing a great service, and I know Tim and I will be talking to you about maybe what we can do, you know, together later on. But thank you so much. One last thing, Melissa. Um, you're here for everybody, right? You're here at drmelissabalizan.com or link l i n k t r dot e e link dot tree well link tur dot e e that's weird uh, dr yeah. melissa b uh, i'm going to go to that site and see um, but go to her website and get some of the the free downloads that she has and schedule an appointment with her schedule just a time to chat and see if maybe she can be there for you in a uh, referral type of a type of a way so thank you melissa for being our guest today thanks dr tim everybody for being here and listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove that mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are a victim of a crime or scam, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options for recovery. SCARS is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami. We're here supporting victims worldwide. And if you can, go make a small donation. We appreciate that. This episode of Stand Up and Speak Up is sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles and numbness in your hands and feet, check out our Benfo products at BenfoComplete.com and use the special code STANDUP15.
for 5% discount on your purchase. Again, folks, thanks very much. Go to my website, thewomenbehindthesmile.com, for additional information and resources. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. The replays are real fun. They have now, it's not active video, but it's a really great resource, and, uh, and get it out to your friends. We need to get this information about what Melissa does, about having a voice and a choice, and using you know, who, your team around you to create whole health. We need to get this out to the world. So thanks very much for being with us today, and we will talk to you all next week. Have a good one.